it can be very difficult for women to have boundary conversations. Either you leave it too long and then it festers like a sore, or you get used to pleasing others so habitually throughout your life or putting other people's needs first that you feel uncomfortable simply asking for something that you might need in order to have that life fulfillment. You are listening to the Synergy Women podcast, brought to you by women's resilience coach, Nikki Hamilton. Nikki offers expertise in women's health and has an inspiring passion for helping women navigate through grief and life's challenges to help transform and build resilience with grace, courage, and authenticity. Each episode, she will explore an aspect of women's health, offering you insights on ways to build your body, your mind, and your heart health to help you rise up with resilience. In this episode, we will explore mind health for women. As a mindfulness meditation teacher and a Martini facilitator, Nikki loves helping women with their mind health. Welcome everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Synergy Women podcast. My name is Nikki Hamilton. I'm really looking forward to sharing a conversation with you all on how to set healthy boundaries. Now, setting boundaries sounds really easy in theory, doesn't it? I mean, all we need to do is learn to say no, which will prevent that downhill slide into exhaustion or resentment. But how many of us are actually able to have a healthy boundary conversation with someone without feeling guilty, without feeling like we need to apologize, or without having that underlying seed of resentment? Now, in this podcast, what we'll be exploring is why is it so hard to set boundaries for us women? how to have a healthy boundary conversation without that seed of resentment or guilt or needing to apologize, and the four steps that you need to be able to set healthy boundaries. So let's just start by exploring why is it so hard to set healthy boundaries? Why do we feel a need to apologize or feel guilty or have resentment that bubbles up first? And I think one of the primary problems is that we leave it too long. We might have a problem that uh, hits the back of our mind and reminds us, look, I probably need to have a conversation with that person. But whether it's a little bit of apprehension or whether it's just you ignore that call in the back of your heart that's saying this needs to change or maybe I'll put up with it for a bit longer. I'm not sure about this. So we leave it too long and we allow our emotional reactivity to start to bubble up until it reaches a point where, uh, and Brene Brown describes this perfectly, uh, where our emotional reactivity kicks in and we do what's called chandeliering. So chandeliering is, if you can uh, imagine, a champagne cork. When you put a little bit of pressure on the champagne cork and it pops and it reaches the ceiling with uh, great gusto, that's what can happen when we allow our emotions to be bottled up for way too long, when we need to have a conversation where something's bothering us and we need something to change and we ignore that call and ignore it and bottle it in and close it in and close it in until something small happens and we have a huge seed of resentment that just bursts out and then all of a sudden our boundary conversation doesn't get off to such a great start. Um, so that's, that's called emotional uh, chandeliering. <laughs> I love that term. So I think one of the reasons that it's so hard to set boundaries is that we do leave it too long. We need to have a conversation earlier before that emotional reactivity starts to uh, lead us to a place where we're filled with absolute resentment. If we can address a problem sort of early enough, it means we can address it with a calm, objective mindset without that volatility that happens when we are chandelier. The other reason I think that probably we have some trouble uh, setting boundaries is that many of us women are used to habitually 
uh, either pleasing others or putting other people's needs first or prioritizing other people's needs above our own, which means we get very used to kind of ignoring our own needs. Now, naturally, there are certain times in your life where this happens, say, in early motherhood. It's very natural to put your children's needs before your own for a period of time um, because that helps them grow and that nurtures their growth. So it's, it's essential. But if we start to develop this as a habitual state of being throughout our lives, it means that we habitually push down what it is that we need to feel fulfilled in our lives and we habitually get used to ignoring our own needs and constantly pleasing or prioritizing others. So then when we need to have a boundary conversation, it's, it, it doesn't feel comfortable. It's out of our comfort zone and it feels uh, new, foreign, and it feels like maybe we need to apologize about this. So there are a couple of reasons that I can think of that it can be very difficult for women to have boundary conversations. Either you leave it too long and then it festers like a sore and then suddenly you're filled with resentment and you come out with your boxing gloves or you get used to pleasing others so habitually throughout your life or putting other people's needs first that you feel uncomfortable or even foreign simply asking for something that you might need in order to have life fulfillment. So this might sound like you. If you've been ignoring the signs uh, and you need to make a change or make a step or have a boundary conversation, but you're feeling like you're filled with rage and resentment about this, or you feel like, okay, I need to apologize about this. And if you're tired of putting other people's needs first, then these next four steps are for you. So these are the steps needed to be able to start having a healthy boundary conversation from a place of calm objectivity without emotional reactivity and without the need to apologize. So step one, step one is press pause. <laughs> I, I, I love this advice for, for many things, but pressing pause essentially calms the brain's reactive center down. So if you can imagine your brain, and I've described this in other podcasts, but the emotional center in your brain, if you imagine two halves to your brain, you've got the red zone and the red zone is your stress center, or this, uh, I call, often call it the stress button. Now that stress button is a uh, very quick to react center and tends to jump to conclusions very quickly. Sometimes it's uh, a good thing. So for example, if I'm walking along a road or a bush track and I see a stick in the corner of my eye, my red zone in my brain or my stress center might alert me and say, hang on a minute, I think it's a snake and press the alarm button. And that alarm button gets my heart rate up, it gets my muscles ready to run, it gets me kind of ready to fight in case this snake is going to attack me. So it's actually a protective mechanism, but the problem is the red zone is not very accurate necessarily because I can take a second look if I press pause, take a second look and realise, hang on a minute, that stick is simply just that a stick, it's not a snake. <laughs> I don't need to leap to conclusions or put my boxing gloves on right now. So the, the red zone in your brain is designed to protect you. However, it's not very accurate and can jump to conclusions pretty quickly. So the way to calm the red zone in your brain down is to start to activate what I call the green zone. The green zone is essentially your prefrontal cortex or part of your brain, your executive center, I guess. And your executive center is a little bit slower. So if I'm walking along a bush track and I see a snake, and my red zone, my red stress button gets pressed and I you know, put on the alarm bells and think, holy crap, it's a snake. Take a step back, get ready to fight, get ready to run. My heart rate goes up. Uh, a few seconds later, my green zone kicks in and says, hang on a minute, I'll put the pieces together. 
oh yes, I'm in the bush, it could be a snake, but is it moving? Has it got eyes? Is there a tongue? No, none of those things are there. It's pretty stationary and it's clearly a stick. So the green zone in your brain has a much better way of putting all of the pieces of the puzzle together and seeing all sides kind of a bit more objectively. And it has a way of calming the red zone down. So that time to press pause allows your green zone to catch up. So if you're feeling triggered, if you're feeling like I need to have a boundary conversation, but I feel my heart rate up right now, I feel my muscles tight, I feel like rage within me, uh, that is not the right time to have a boundary conversation because essentially what will happen is that you're operating from a very reactive emotional place and it's not a great starting point. So what you want to be able to do when you start a boundary conversation is just have a clear, calm, emotionally calm center operating, which is your executive center in your brain. And part of that requires you simply to press pause. So so what that might sound like, for example, if someone's in conversation with you and you're feeling triggered and you know that you need to have a boundary conversation, but you know that right now you're a bit volatile, it might sound like, can I just press pause on this conversation? I really need to talk this through with you. But what I'd really like to do is just press pause so I can take some time, have a breather. And can we come back to this tomorrow at nine o'clock? Maybe we can set up time for a coffee. How does that sound? That simple request of saying, can I just press pause, will give you the chance overnight or over the next hour or however long it takes to just simply go, okay, I'm going to breathe now. I'm going to let the red zone calm down. I'm going to get the green zone back in in action so that way I can see all sides and be a little bit objective about what I want to say and be clear. It might also sound like I can feel my heart rate going up, I can feel my blood pressure going up, I can feel reactive stories going on in my brain about what I think he said, she said and everything else. And because I feel all of this, I know I'm in my red zone not right now. I'm not going to send that email. I'm not going to call that person right now. I'm going to press pause, sleep on it, or press pause and talk it through with somebody. But pressing pause just allows that red center to calm down. So the first step in having a boundary conversation is to make sure you don't have it from a reactive place. Pressing pause is a great way of doing that. The next step is to get curious. Get curious. So get curious simply means asking questions. So questions might be, look, am I seeing all sides clearly? Is this actually what's happened? We have the tendency when we're in our reactive red zone place in our brain to assume the worst in others. And it's probably partly an inbuilt uh, protective mechanism, like assuming that the worst is going to happen, so I better get ready to run or fight. But That's often not the case. Often many people out there are simply doing the best they can with the tools and resources that they've got. And if you get curious and say to yourself or ask yourself the question, am I just assuming the worst in them? And what would happen if I assumed that they're doing their best? What would happen if I assumed that everyone's just doing their best? So getting curious, am I seeing all signs? Am I assuming the worst in others or this other person? Am I overreacting? And I'll often ask my husband or close friends when I feel that sense of, you know, emotional volatility. I'm I'm very much used to being in the habit of pressing pause now, but I have been known to call friends and say, look, this is what's going on. Am I overreacting? And then and being perfectly happy with them, being completely honest with me as to whether they think I am overreacting or not. 
Uh, so asking the questions, am I seeing all sides? Am I overreacting? Am I, am I just assuming the worst? And that might not actually be true. Um, and what story am I telling myself? So, so, and again, this is a, a simple tip from, from Brené Brown in her book, Rising Strong. And I love this uh, tip, but asking this, or simply making the statement to yourself, the story I'm telling myself is, say, for example, if you feel that someone's displayed a lack of integrity or you feel like they've gone behind your back for whatever reason, you could say, look, the story I'm telling myself is this person has deliberately undermined me and they're deliberately betraying me and they're deliberately trying to steal something from whatever it is that you have in your mind and be very aware that it's a story in your mind that might not actually be true. So getting curious simply means being open to, well, what else could be true? What else could be going on? Am I assuming the worst for no particular reason? Am I overreacting and am I seeing all sides? So that means that those simple questions uh, essentially help open up the green zone in your brain. And the green zone is that calm executive center that, that calms down the red zone. Uh, and when that executive center is operating well, it can see all sides. So getting curious and asking those key questions is one way of helping that green zone start to kick into gear and light up. We've got more Synergy Women coming up, but first let's take a quick break. Would you like to learn more about the Rise Up Method and how it can help offer you a clear framework to overcome life's challenges? See our website, synergywomen.com.au. So first step, step one, press pause, which calms the red zone down in your brain. Number two, get curious, which helps the green zone kind of kick into gear asking yourself good questions and if you don't if you don't have questions if you can't ask yourself questions asking someone you trust good questions like am I seeing all sides am I overreacting the story I'm telling myself is this is it true the third key step uh, and this is what I call getting clear uh, getting really clear on your values because ultimately when we feel like we need to have a boundary conversation with somebody it's because they've stepped on your values now your values might not match their values. You have to be very clear with that in that not everybody shares your values. But when someone has stepped on your values, that's usually when you get your back up. So explore and understand for yourself very clearly, what are my values and I need to live congruently with this. In that way, you can start to set your own boundaries of like, this is where I need to live congruently. So there's two ways of looking at values. One of them is, is value areas, and this is covered by Dr. Martini quite thoroughly. So areas of life could be your spiritual life or your financial life or your career or your work life or your family or your social connections or social influence, your health, uh, your capacity to learn. So these different value areas You'll have one or two of those that you hold uh, closest to your heart that you have to live congruently with. For example, for some women, it's their family. So if someone steps on their family time or someone interrupts their uh, family life, uh, that's instantly, that'll get their back up. Uh, for other women, it's their career or their work or their what they're offering creatively within their business. And if someone's stepping on that, 
it's like, hang on a minute, this is what I really value. So getting really clear on, on what it is that you value in life means that you're able, without apology, just to set some clear boundaries around how you need to live congruently. So that's value areas by Dr. Martini. But the other uh, part is explored by Brene Brown on value area traits. And this is in one of her leadership books. But ultimately, she talks about different traits that we hold close to our heart. And so those traits could include things like fairness, loyalty, commitment, reliability, authenticity, honesty, trust, leadership, kindness, legacy, freedom, open communication. So, so, you know, there's a great list that she has in her book of different typical traits that each of us will hold close to our hearts. And each of us have two or three that are most important to us. So, for example, one of my highest um, valued area traits, one of my highest uh, traits that I highly value, sorry, is, is integrity. Uh, and open communication, which is why I enjoy talking, obviously, but uh, that those traits of open communication and integrity and authenticity for me are very important. And if someone behaves in a way that steps on that or dismisses that, I feel, yeah, I get my back up a little bit. It's like, hang on a minute, this is something that's really important to me. So I essentially make sure that within my business and within my team, I surround myself with women and I employ women that also hold these traits in high regard. So open communication, integrity and authenticity for me is very important to be able to work with. Uh, Now, there's plenty of people that don't have that uh, high on their list of priorities, and that's absolutely fine. That's not a bad thing. It's just it is what it is. But I know that within my own working life, this is what I need to be able to work with within my business. So being very clear on what your values are, whether it's value areas, like it's your family or it's your friendships or your social connections or your business or your creativity or your health, being very clear on the value area that that you need to live congruently with, but also very clear on the traits that you might need to hold uh, congruently and close to your heart. And you can look those traits up uh, on Brene Brown's website, but uh, there's lots of them out there and you'll have one or two for you that's like, yeah, that rings true for me and this is what I need to create in my own life and I need to have that supported in, in whatever way with the close relationships that I have. So first steps in uh, in setting a healthy boundary conversation, number one, press pause, calm the red zone down. Number two, get curious, open the green zone up in your brain, ask some questions, am I overreacting, am I seeing all sides? Number three, start getting clear on your values because that sets your boundaries for you. That is the whole reason that you feel right now that you need a boundary conversation is because someone has stepped over that value area or trait for you. So just getting really clear on why am I upset? That's right, because I really value integrity. That's right, because I actually really value my family time. Um, and, And then you'll have a little bit more of an understanding rather than operating simply from reactivity, you have an understanding of yourself as to what you need to live congruently with. So getting clear on those boundaries helps you live congruently with that. So... Then the next step, the final step, ultimately, 
is to then start the conversation, an open-hearted conversation. So this step four, now that you've done all the preparation work, you've pressed pause, you've asked good questions, you've tried to see all sides, open up the green zone, get very clear on your values. Now it's time to sit down and have a conversation. Now you're ready. <laughs> and a great way to have a, a difficult conversation is to start the conversation with we rather than you versus me. So what I mean by that, a we statement might sound like, I agree this has been a really stressful time for both of us. So that simple statement means together, this has been stressful. I've recognised the mutual challenges that we've had. So all of a sudden the conversation has uh, already opened up to I'm working together with you with this conversation rather than starting with the conversation uh, the conversation with a statement like you have done this and I don't like that. That starts a conversation with a you versus me approach, like get your boxing gloves on, we're here to battle it out. Start a conversation with a you and me together statement, which might sound like, I agree this has been a really stressful time for both of us. I understand the challenges, um, some of the mutual things that you've been going through together. That puts you both in the green zone. It's like, okay, we're ready to have a conversation. The next step is listing what's okay and what's not okay. So it might sound like, look, it's okay that you work late at night or it's okay that you need to go out with these friends, you know, once a fortnight. It's okay that you want to spend all of your time starting your business. I, I totally support that. What's not okay for me is that you ignore our family time or that you're not open and communicative or that you, I feel that not being honest or that you haven't respected my work or operated from a place of integrity. So, so listing what is okay, look, it's okay for this, I support that, but it's not okay for this. And that's where you list your boundaries. This is my family time or this is my work and my creativity and I need integrity displayed, for example. So starting the conversation with, I agree this has been stressful, it's okay that you need to do this, but what's not okay is this, outline your boundaries. If this continues, it's just not sustainable for me. So you need to then step into a conversation of, look, what's going to happen if this behaviour continues? It's not sustainable for me. I think we need to work together as a team and I need you to, and you list your boundaries, and dedicate some time to the family or make sure you leave work by eight o'clock on a Thursday night so we can have some dinner time or demonstrate some integrity or have a better communication skills with me or talk to me or whatever it is. So if this continues, it's not sustainable for me. What I really need for us to work together as a team is that I need you to and just describe it. And if, there's, if this is not possible, then we need to part ways. Or you might have some other thing in mind that's uh, a consequence if this is not possible for that person. Uh, so the way I like to summarise those four steps is with what I call one of my favourite statements is, is soft front strong back. And this again uh, comes from Brené Brown, uh, who's got some fabulous books and, and work out there. That soft front means that you're open-hearted soft front now how often is it that we have a boundary that we need to set and we're filled with resentment and instead of having a soft open front where we're willing to have a conversation we have our boxing gloves on and our body armor ready and we're ready to fight and we're angry <laughs> we chandelier and volatile emotions all the way out there so soft front means that you're open-hearted and that you're willing to have a conversation so soft front involves pressing pause and getting curious 
And when you have a conversation, starting it with some mutual challenges, I agree, this has been stressful. This has been hard for both of us. So that makes a soft front. What you don't want is a soft back. A soft back means, oh, that's okay, walk all over me. No, I'm, I'm not important enough. It's okay, you go first. That's fine. That's an apologetic life, putting everybody else first. That's a soft back. A strong back means you have a very clear understanding of what it is that you value and how you need to live within uh, with some congruency around that. So part of step four is having a strong back. You start with a soft front, open the conversation, but then you outline, this is what needs to happen. It's not okay for this. If this continues, it's just not sustainable for me. I want to work together with you as a team. And if that's going to happen, this is the uh, these are the things that need to happen for me. If this is not possible, we need to part ways, for example. So that combines both soft front and strong back in a conversation. So I hope these ideas have helped you figure out a way of having a boundary conversation with someone that you need to. Uh, the three key tips to take away from today's uh, podcast uh, is number one, soft front, open heart means pressing pause and getting curious. That way you can operate with an open heart. The second key tip is to have a strong back, which essentially means you're very clear on what your values are and you have some clarity on that. And the third key tip is start a conversation with a together sentence. You and me together, we're working this out. I need to work it together as a team with you. So they're the three key tips to take away from today. Now, the other thing to remember ultimately is that unfortunately you can't control the outcome on the other side of your boundary conversation. You just have to accept what's going to happen and stay strong and firm within yourself with an open heart and a strong back totally resilient to whatever unfolds but if you follow these steps you've got the best chance of being centered within yourself which means you can operate with an open heart and a green zone center in your brain without going into that volatile reactive place which is usually a much poorer outcome when it comes to conversations so these steps help stabilize you to be able to offer out what you need and request what you need without guilt, without resentment, without anger, without fear, with an open heart and a strong back. So I really hope that you've enjoyed this podcast today and it's given you some ideas on how to have a boundary conversation. Thanks so much for joining me. If you like what you've heard, it'd be great if you could rate and review this podcast from wherever you are listening. And don't forget to click subscribe so you'll be notified when we release our next episode.